This is the Visit the Zoo podcast. Today, we hear about the moose and the new dog and cat segment for Visit the Zoo. hear that? That is beautiful rain on the patio at midnight last night. Hello and welcome to Visit the Zoo. This is episode number 53. This is the first episode of year number two of the Visit the Zoo podcast. And my name is, and your host, is Frederick Fishman. I'm the author of the 12 book, 120 animal visit the zoo series of Kindle books, print books, audio books on Audible, and the Visit the Zoo DVD. I also want to welcome all of you who have joined me for year number two. Last week we did the celebration for year number one, and I hope you had a chance to check that one out. That was a very special podcast. Our main podcast website, by the way, is zoo animals that's plural zoo animals dot info and if you want to help us out and contribute to visit the zoo and everything we do here you can go to patreon.com slash visit the zoo or you can go to gofundme.com slash visit dash the dash zoo dash podcast and i also have a great new line of apparel and including the Christmas designs and photos that I just posted up. And that is on Zooswear, Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com. And like I said, this is year number two, first episode for the Visit the Zoo podcast. And we're going to try and make this next year very interesting, fascinating, lots of surprises. And we've also added a new segment, a new dog and cat segment that we will stick into the lineup of segments so you sure want to catch that today also today we're going to do something special and then we're going to change out the animal description segment i'll tell you a little more about it when we get to it so anyhow a lot to cover let's get started on year number two of the visit to the zoo podcast and let's say Goodbye to the rain. That was very nice last night to be able to sit out in that. So we'll start with the zoo news and we'll start with the Calgary Zoo. We're going to do some short little stories today. And they are throwing a birthday bash for its two new panda cubs with specially themed parties. But the big news is that they've got a new online attraction. It's called Panda Cam. It allows avid bear watchers to glimpse the black and white creatures every day between 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. The streaming video feed went live on Saturday, this last Saturday, which happened to be the third birthday for panda cubs Gia Pan Pan and Gia Ye Yu. 
And what better way to celebrate this momentous occasion than by welcoming panda fans from around the world to see these two cuties. In addition to the Panda Cam kickoff, the zoo held two specially themed parties. And the way that you can see that Panda Cam is by going to the Calgary Zoo's website. They are at www.calgaryzoo, that's spelled C-A-L-G-A-R-Y-Z-O-O, calgaryzoo.com slash panda cam. That's www.calgaryzoo.com slash forward slash panda cam. And the second story is about the Wildlife World Zoo, which is a little bit north of us in Litchfield Park, just outside of Phoenix. And it's about a name they're searching for for their new second sea lion pup that was just born this summer. And zoo staffers there are asking the public to come up with a perfect name for this new addition. Names can be submitted on the zoo's Facebook page or at the park over the next five weeks. And again, that is the Wildlife World Zoo in Phoenix, Arizona, in a little small town just west of Phoenix called Litchfield Park. So that is our zoo news for today. All right, we're going to play a mystery animal sound here. Let's see if you can guess what it is. I'll play it for you now, and then we'll hear a little bit about large creature later on in the podcast. I think you've got the idea. We're going to go to our animal description now, and what I usually do is play a segment of one of the books that I've recorded for the Visit the Zoo series and a description of the animal, but I'm going to try something a little bit different. What I would like is your feedback to see if you want to hear more of this change that we're going to be doing, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you chapter one from my novel, Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. This is a novel I wrote about a year ago, a little less. I've got all the chapters recorded because I've got this book up on not only in print and Kindle on Amazon, but I also have it on audible.com so you can download it from there. Now, here is chapter number one from my novel, Noah, an Animal Adventure Fantasy. Chapter one. Noah was frozen, in a digital trance. He stared into his computer screen, transfixed and mesmerized by the motion and color of the action on his 23-inch monitor. He was playing the hottest game of the year that drew away so many hours of his days lately. His parents would beseech him to go outside and play, whatever that was, to enjoy the fresh air and sunshine of the southwestern city they lived in. But Noah's world was on that computer screen, and that had become his reality lately. He thought he heard someone squawking at him, so he answered with his usual, I'll be there in a minute. That was the standard response any 12-year-old would give, right? He knew adults would be satisfied for only a few minutes with that answer. He figured if you said it enough times, you could buy yourself time to stall out the unknown and inevitable. About ten minutes later, Noah was in the back of his parents' antique classic 1952 
pink Buick. He only hoped none of his friends and certainly none of the young ladies in the neighborhood would see him. He hunched down in the back seat, trying to hide from the almost certain, disdainful, and whimsical looks he would get as the Cro-Mantique rolled down the street. He couldn't stand the looks or stares. He just wanted to be left alone. He stared toward the front passenger seat at his mother. When she smiled, Noah thought his mother always seemed to look prettier. She turned from the right front passenger seat and flashed that electric smile of hers at Noah. Noah, isn't this going to be fun? It's a beautiful, crisp, clear day to be wandering around through the zoo, seeing all those fascinating creatures. He stared back at her with no response and finally gave a low harumph of agreement. His father, strong, tall, somewhat humorless, had to chime in. You'll love it, buddy. You'll finally get off your duff and get away from that computer. Noah turned away to watch the traffic on the fast-moving highway. I know it will get you up and moving again, Noah. His mother's smile dropped a bit. It's good to get out more, Noah, to explore and see the world. Noah turned away again and watched the cars on the highway. Everyone he saw on the road was rushing about, pressed by deadlines. Places to go, people to see, deals to be made, and purchases, always purchases. He barely listened to his parents, and as they chatted away about which continent in the zoo they would visit first, maybe they should go first to the noisy aviary, filled with screeching and squawking birds, or maybe the quieter small aquarium. Can they see it all? How about lunch? Where should they go next? Where should they go last? Noah tuned out the conversation from the front of the hulking car. Noah's imagination began to take him away from that huge old Buick rolling down the road. But the visions he saw in his head were jumbled, nonspecific, jumping from image to image. He was just moving through time in his own imaginary world, and not enough of that time had passed yet for him to feel normal. And that is chapter number one from my novel, Noah. If you like and you want to hear more, just let me know uh, whether we should continue this or go back to the animal descriptions. I'd love to hear from you. And you can uh, contact me, by the way, by going to the website zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals.info and up at the very top, you'll see a, a button for contact. Just write something in there, and I'll be sure to get it. Okay, let's go back to the animal sound. Let me play it for you one more time, and then I'll tell you a little bit about this animal. All right, I think you've got the idea. That is a moose. And moose are big. They are a New World member of the deer family. It's the largest and the heaviest of the deer family. They have broad, open-faced antlers that stretch out in a bellowing, loud voice, as you could hear. Most moose are located in Canada, Alaska, and New England of the United States. Also, they are in the Baltic states and in Canada as well. 
They are solitary animals, and they do not usually form herds. They are sedentary and move slowly, but when threatened, especially if their calves are threatened, they will move quickly, and you best get out of their way. They prefer to live in subalpine shrublands, and on average, they stand 4.6 to 6.9 feet at the shoulders. That's almost 7 feet tall at the shoulders, and they can weigh between 850 and 1,500 pounds. They are between 7.9 and 10.2 feet long, so they are very large animals. Behind the bison, they are the second largest animal, land animal, in North America and Europe. New segment time. This is going to be number one of a new segment that we're going to be dropping in. And it's about an animal, about two animals that live with us in our homes, in our backyards, who work for us, who help us through life. And that, of course, is our dogs and our cats. There are about 200 million domesticated dogs and cats around the world. They are family members. There's no doubt about it. And today I want to talk about the dog and one particular dog, and this is the Labrador Retriever. It is the number one dog in around the world. It really is. They're usually quiet animals, but they can bark and they sound something like this. They were originally bred in the 1830s, and they come in three colors, variations of the same, yellow, chocolate, and black. And they were bred originally in those 1830s for hunting and retrieving prey. And in in the 1880s, they came from Newfoundland, Canada, and the UK. And that's when the current lineage started, by the way. It was in the 1880s. They are the most popular breed in the U.S. and very close to the top in Canada and U.K. as well. They're used for hunting and for work, such as police dogs or disability assistance. But the the vast majority of these beautiful, gentle creatures are as home companions. The males weigh between 65 and 80 pounds. The females, 55 to 70 pounds. The lifespan, 12 to 13 years. They have a wonderful disposition. They're easy to train. They're very social. They can be very athletic as well. They can run fast. They are fun-loving. They're boisterous. They have a fairly strong lack of fear. They are fearless. They're curious. They love company and love their pack and love their family. They're intelligent. They're a healthy breed as well. They have relatively few problems, with exception, of course. Uh, And I'll tell you a little bit about that now. And that's about our dog that we had. We had a lab by the name of Clementine. She was a black lab. She was a smaller black lab. She was a field lab, about 60 pounds. She had a lot of problems, physical problems, but she had a happy life and she lived to about 12 years old. She loved the water. She loved retrieving. And that's one thing about a retriever. If you throw something out, they will bring it right back to you. As opposed to our current little stinker. And her name is Skye. She's a mini poodle. When you throw something out, she'll go after it, look at you, say thank you very much, and she'll go running off. And good luck trying to get it back. It'll take a few minutes, that's for sure. Anyhow, that's a little bit about the Labrador Retriever. Again, one of the most popular dog breeds coming 
coming in three colors, yellow, chocolate, and black. In the future, I will have descriptions of other dogs and other breeds, as well as cats, and I will give you hints and suggestions and tips and other added elements to help you round out your life with your pet. And what I'm also going to try to do within, within this segment is give you one news story, current news story, about our pets, our, our lovable pets, dogs and cats. I want to read this one story. This is coming from the New York Times, and the story is search and rescue workers with South Florida Task Force 2 are canvassing Mexico Beach, Florida on Saturday. A tremendous hurricane called Michael roared through there last week virtually wiped out Mexico Beach and heavily damaged towns all up and down the panhandle of Florida. And this is a story from Mexico Beach. Virtually wiped out that town. It just flattened everything if you've seen any of the images. Anyhow, this is a story dated from the Times, New York Times, October the 13th. As Hurricane Michael slowly revealed the victims of its deadly march, search and rescue crews scoured remote wooded passages and a tiny gutted beach on Saturday, going door to door in the storm crushed Florida panhandle. They raced to reach the injured, the dead, and those in need of help, hoping to chip away at a long list of people reportedly missing in Florida after one of the most powerful storms in United States history. The death count is 18, but it is likely to rise. More than 1,700 search and rescue personnel are working in the affected areas. On Friday, Governor Rick Scott authorized the Florida National Guard to activate 3,500 soldiers and airmen to assist the rescue efforts. Under an unflinching Florida sun, the teams looked for the tiniest signs of life, cutting through brush, cleaning debris, and trudging through snake-infested grass. In Mexico Beach on Saturday, near the hurricane landfall, members of Task Force 2, a search team from Miami, trudged through a pile of ruins. The team got to work. First came Dexter, a seven-year-old golden retriever trained to sniff out human life, whom rescuers hope will bark. Then came Luna, the six-year-old Belgian Malinois from the United States Border Patrol, trained to sniff out human remains, whom rescuers hope will remain silent. Luna clambered on the pieces of roof on the ground and into a puddle of seawater and over wooden shambles. The officers waited. She did not bark. The rescuers moved on to the next house, except in most cases, there was no house, just a concrete slab. The place looked like the surface of the moon. Even experienced rescuers took photos on their iPhones in disbelief. The team of 85 rescuers and four dogs arrived at daybreak on Thursday. This was their latest grim mission after Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria last year. The Haiti earthquake in 2010 and Ground Zero after 9-11. At some point, you have to switch from search and rescue to recovery mode. It's very difficult, said Fire Chief Joseph Zellerban of Miami, before noting that the Mexico Beach remains a search and rescue mission. Before the storm, local police officers had gone door to door, naming each resident who planned to ignore orders to evacuate and they stayed. In addition to their addresses and phone number, police officers jotted down more detail. Each family's next of kin. 24 hours before the storm, the number of people who intended to remain was 268 plus 10 children, Police Chief Anthony Kelly said. Then Hurricane Michael strengthened and the number dropped considerably lower. But by then, it was too late to update the tally. That is our dog and cat segment for this week. 
All right, we're coming towards the end of this week's Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 53, and this is where we usually read a poem and some quotes, and I've got three more of these quotes left on this gigantic list I've been rolling out over the last few weeks. Let's start with this first quote from Trisha McCaw, and she is a recognized animal communicator, uh, animal whisperer, if you will, and she is from Australia, and she consults with zoos and is on TV and radio quite a bit. Animals are the bridge between us and the beauty of all that is natural. They show us what's missing in our lives and how to love ourselves more completely and unconditionally. They connect us back to who we are and to the purpose of why we're here. This next quote is from Carol M. Schwiller. She was born in 1921. She's an American writer She's written science fiction and cowboy stories. How's, how's that for a range? Maybe it's animalness that will make the world right again. The wisdom of elephants, enthusiasm of canines, the grace of snakes, the mildness of anteaters. Perhaps being human needs some diluting. And finally, this is from Beryl Markham who lived from 1902 to 1986. And she was a famous pilot, a Kenyan bush pilot, one of the first. She was also an adventurer and an author. To see 10,000 animals untamed and not branded with the symbols of human commerce is like scaling an unconquered mountain for the first time or like finding a forest without roads or footpaths or the blemish of an axe. You know then what you had always been told, that the world once lived and grew without adding machines and newsprint and brick-walled streets and the tyranny of clocks. Can't believe it. Again, episode number 053 in the Visit the Zoo podcast series is over. I want to thank you very much for joining me on year number two of our ongoing adventure through the animal world. And I hope that you will come back every single week and you will be downloading our podcast. I hope that you also will please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it is on iTunes or on the 12 plus directories scattered around the web. Also, you can listen on our website, which is at zooanimals.com. Info at zoo animals plural dot info and don't forget our great merch site where you can buy some great apparel with all the animal images and designs that I've put together plus a special Christmas section and Christmas is coming up folks and that is at zooswear.com that's z o o z w e a r dot com again thank you very very much for joining me here on the visit the zoo podcast and please come back next week bye bye.